1: And my friend, psychotherapist Lucy Clyde, will be talking about how we can look after our mental health during the coronavirus crisis and beyond. Because whatever type of pandemic you're having, it's hard on all of us. So let's try and get through it the best way we can, by talking. This week, we're talking to Julia Margot of Hot Octopus about sex toys and sexual pleasure during the pandemic. Okay. Hi Lucy. Hi Becky. Hi. Hi. I I had an idea I wanted I wanted to play a game okay it's it's like a kind of I don't know it's it's a reflective game Uh. I was interested in now we're kind of deep into this we are so deep we're like seven months in and we're not about to get out right and I'm interested in thinking back to maybe the end of last year or roughly this time last year when we'd never heard of coronavirus we'd never heard of any of this and I'm interested in what for you are the words or phrases that if this time last year someone had said to you you would have either not known what they meant or could have easily never said before in your life oh okay yeah but a ah. now very commonly used words or phrases <laughs> that that now are like as as normal to you as breathing in and out but last year 12 months ago or just up just up to 12 months ago yeah. you would have been like yeah what what do you mean What is that that explain that yeah okay
2: oh okay I've got a good one yeah uh and it's one I'm fond of using now uh but it was with, with my tongue firmly rammed in my cheek and would never have known about this time last year I like this game by the way it's very good well done Thank uh you. it's uh, the corona apocalypse Ooh. What the hell is that? Right? What yes. the hell is that? Me from October last year.
1: No idea. Corona apocalypse. Oh. Corona apocalypse. That's a is that a compound word when there's yeah. a, like made a new one out of two? Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yay. <laughs> well, how do you think you would have reacted if some if some amazing psychic <laughs> psychic had said to you in October 2019, Lucy, so next year I I foresee a corona apocalypse?
2: I'd come what, what are you on about? And give me my money back,
1: <laughs> you charlatan!
2: <laughs> you, I mean, a yeah, mm, that. So, unlike in the <laughs> unlikely event that I would ever put myself in that situation and hand over money for that purpose, uh, what would basically been what? What? what actually, about you? The
1: point. Oh. Actually, can I just, on yeah. a side note, wonder yeah. what did all the did any psychics foresee this? Right. <gasps> I'd love to know if any psychics predicting people's <sighs> fortunes for 2020 had any insight into this because otherwise I think they've pretty much done themselves out of a job. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. That's a I tricky mean I think we run, know the it? answer.
2: Don't we? I think we know the answer Becky I think it, I think did. maybe probably we probably definitely. I'm guessing not I'm guessing this did not come up in the tea leaves <laughs> but you never know you never know it might have done. What about you what what, what words if what would what would if,
1: well, I was yeah. more thinking of um, uh, kind of phrases that oh, yeah, you know, yeah. we know all the time, and I think I wouldn't have understood what someone would have meant by saying social distancing.
2: Yeah, I, That's think I true. would have been
1: super confused as the actual meaning of that. I, I think I might have interpreted it as a behaviour you do if you are antisocial.
2: Yeah, or maybe sort of pissed off with somebody. Yeah like yeah, a so,
1: aggressive sort of yeah. communication yeah like a kind of group of you know really toxic girls when you're at school and oh. you are they socially distance you so they basically kind of kick you out of the clique
2: yeah so just another word for ostracization right but not that's a good one yeah because socially di- no that's true also also
1: well while we're on a roll furlough I never heard that before in my life furlough you? I've I'd heard, heard it
2: used in reference to I think the American military oh who put people on furlough and I think sometimes that means just a bit of leave oh. um in that context so I'd heard of it in that context but no what mm. I mean what what's furlough I mean what does that mean what does that entail who who does what to whom in that situation I don't
1: know <laughs> it sounds almost farming-y doesn't
2: it Farming, like, it oh, I'm gonna go to furlough
1: weird. the fields. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, you should tell I'm not you. very rural. <laughs> child of the city, you. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Is it obvious? A little <laughs> I'm
1: bit.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Wear that proudly. It's fine. It's
1: okay. problem. I might as well. I'm i think being authentic. Oh, look. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Hello. julia margo Hello hi two minutes early you are (laughs) (laughs)
3: fantastic
1: well done okay Mm. great well i haven't even introduced you so i'm going to introduce you now so today we are going to have a good chat with um julia margot who is the coo of hot octopus um she's just told me i look cute (laughs) she whispered it so no one was here and i can tell you the reason julia is allowed to do this is um julia is actually a very very old and dear friend of mine and has who has known me since i was 14 so knows too much And she must be destroyed. <laughs> but we will get to that at some point. Um yeah, maybe no, she's not right she's, now though.
3: Let's...
1: Maybe no, we'll just do the podcast first.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, okay um okay, so just to give a bit of context, um I haven't got Julia on today just so she can talk about my embarrassing past, although that would probably be really entertaining. Um it's actually in her um role as ceo of Hot Octopus, which is a sex toy company that is doing exceptionally well. And Actually, probably better if you explain, Jules, um, what Hot Octopus is and what has happened to your business over these past six months. So Hot Octopus is a luxury sex toy brand. We suddenly saw um, in about
3: three quarters of the way through March, a crazy uplift in our direct to consumer sales. Wow. Um, and by April, they doubled um they doubled which no strategy could achieve in that kind of time in about six weeks no um and that trend kind of continued and it's still continuing so that's the interesting thing um as lockdown has has eased um but people are still at home and I mean we, we think this is largely because well we know we, we've done some survey work to try and understand what's happening in the market and to understand how long this trend will continue but the whole of the sex toy Industry has seen this crazy, crazy growth. Can
2: I ask, Jules? Do 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 sex toy retailers talk to each other about this stuff? Do you kind of? Oh yes,
3: yeah, yeah. You get together and you compare. So yeah, yeah, Yeah.
2: Okay. So they're all reporting the same thing.
3: I mean, not absolutely everybody. Obviously, people with bricks and mortar stores have seen massive declines because people are not going out and about. But anybody with an online business who has been able to service the demand, lots of our colleagues have run out of stock um, because you can't necessarily predict what was going to happen during lockdown.
1: Um, so the demand is there. The demand is there across the board. My question to you then is why? Why why is this happening? And why yeah, why are people seeking out this at this time?
3: Okay, so obviously on the, on the surface level, it's obvious. People are at home, they're browsing the web, they've got privacy. It's much easier for them to buy. So we always traditionally saw sex toy sales increase over the weekend when people are at home and you know much lower sales in the week when people at the office so that's one obvious one that they're just at home (laughs) yeah good to (laughs) Um, know that's good yeah (laughs) but we but but also we also know from survey data that we've done and everybody's been kind of although it hasn't been reported much I think it's another thing that we should talk about is I think is a very well understood thing that everybody has been either having more sex or feeling a bit hornier or not everybody but some people that is a, a natural reaction to stress and crisis and actually Historically, we've always seen that in you know the the fertility rates always gone up during um, recessions, world wars or recessions, mm. um, and everyone's tried to understand this, but it comes back to a very basic psychological principle, which is sex and masturbation mm. um, is is soothing subconsciously yeah, when when you have fear, am I you know your need for comfort um, soothing comes down to to touch and pleasure so I think it's as fundamental as that interesting
2: that is that's really really interesting isn't it because I think one of the uh yeah and I think it does go back to what you were that which is a really excellent good point to to start with and particularly as we're talking about mental health during a pandemic as well you know that business of the centrality of touch and pleasure because I think so many people are stressed and really really frightened And you know that's it's it's something that a lot of people you know feel the need to do when they're scared too.
3: I mean, it's only very recently that we even talked about the the mental health benefits of pleasure as part of sex Mm -hmm. in sex education for secondary school um, students, and that's something that we've been working on and talking about for years. It's very very recent that that pleasure was even part of the you know part of the agenda. So hang on, so can
1: you explain that a bit more? So is is it? Is it that the research the the research is only just happening now that can back up the link between pleasure and? Thing. Oh, okay. So the research has been there for a while. It's just we've not been talking about it openly.
3: So there's there's lots wow. of literature that we've looked at because this is a, an important customer base and important target audience of ours um, that dates back hundreds of years, um, <laughs> medical and scientific research that shows that the lack of pleasure and touch for people with disabilities has a very strong, I mean, for anybody, but people with disabilities often can find, particularly profound disabilities, can find themselves in a position where they can't access that in the way that able-bodied people can. Um, yeah, Not having that is related to longevity. So you actually have poorer health, not just poorer mental health, but I think that's the that's the dynamic, that's where it plays out poor mental health, poor physical health, and you actually live um shorter lives shorter if you can if you don't experience sexual pleasure. Sexual pleasure. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. And about, you, yeah. I, I mean i yeah. Well it's it's obvious to us because we talk about we talk about this with people with disabilities all the time and we're just about to launch a a disability hub to kind of put all this stuff together a disability and sex hub because there really aren't many resources out there but if you are somebody with disabilities it is still very likely now even now that nobody will have talked to you about how you can self-pleasure or even have sex with your disability Um, and we hear this all the time from our customers and we know that a lot of people never really have contact and certainly are not having those conversations with people with disabilities. I guess you don't kind of think about what it would feel like to not be able to have that
1: in your yeah. life. And we haven't. And we've, we we ha- you're right, it hasn't been discussed in a kind of mainstream um, way at all. But what I think maybe this this pandemic has has forced a lot of us to think about <clears throat> is the fact that, We, a lot of us have have been forced into the situation that marginalised people have had to deal with for years, Mm -hmm. right? So if you were a single person in the pandemic, you were suddenly not having any touch. You were not, you know, you were on your own, you were isolated. You were not having any physical touch from another person, even if it isn't sexual touch, even if it's like, you know, friends hugging or someone patting you on the shoulder and those sorts of things. And so there's now loads of conversations going on about the importance of physical touch to people's mental health. Um, and so I think obviously businesses like yours that obviously are focusing on sexual touch, that's where people, people are finding ways to create that, aren't they? If they can't have people, if they can't go out in the world and experience the normal level of interaction and stuff that everyone used to, they're going to have to find other ways of doing it. Are you finding that that's a big market as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, a lot of what we talk
3: about as a business is self-pleasure and masturbation. Mainly because p- not many people still want to talk about that. Um, mm. And that's really frustrating because, you know, fuck's like sake, you know, that everybody masturbates And, you know, teaching people how to do it well is surely like a good thing and not something that we should all be embarrassed life about. a well, life skill. It's a life skill. Well, it is a life skill, but particularly when we're talking about this and saying, you know, there's people who actually don't really know how to give themselves pleasure um and don't have anybody else around to do it kind of feels a bit ridiculous but that's definitely happening I mean like you know sales of um sales of vibrators and sex toys for masturbation I mean you know it's it's absolutely insane what's been going on absolutely insane
2: I think one of the things that kind of really strikes me about what you do is and what you're particularly what you're trying to do and open up the conversation and make this stuff available and raise you know awareness is You know, I think you're so right that there's a stigma and. Obviously, you know, people have been talking about this stuff with their therapists for years and years and years and years. But it Hello. is kind of... That's my Hello. Hello. Hi! <laughs> so, you know, I hear this stuff. Uh, it's not, you know, this isn't new to me, but I think what is very, very different, I mean, A, you're sort of actually providing the kit uh, and the education, which is something that uh, a, a, a therapist doesn't really do, obviously. Um, uh, but that's a different kind of thing but um you know i think what's really interesting is this business of destigmatizing and opening it up because it's fine to I mean, it's very difficult to talk about this with a therapist it's really 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 tricky to bring this into the conversation about sexual pleasure or lack of sex drive or all of that kind of stuff and it's it, it's not an easy, easy subject to broach at all and most people actually uh will not go there at all but
3: then, but why don't therapists um, bring that into the conversation I mean I, I
2: well therapists you know, I think therapists, therapists should do. be suggesting well, some therapists do.
3: yeah I think therapists and carers and whatever should be suggesting sex yeah. toys as tools that people can use I mean it's yeah. starting to happen in the US um, and as I said the relationship between mental health and sexual pleasure is extremely close and very well understood medically it's just that we don't yes. talk about it publicly and, and one of the things I, I said yeah. to Becky the other day about this whole thing you know given there has been this crazy insane growth in sales of sex toys um across the board globally it's pretty amazing how little media coverage or reporting there has been about this um and like what and and
2: the fact that it doesn't yeah and it doesn't seem to be an established automatic link in 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 our minds and in the conversations that i had outwardly about the link between um Sexual pleasure and self esteem, yeah. and how you know what a lack of sexual pleasure does to your self esteem and your sense of person, and and consequently your sense of personal agency and your feelings of being a whole human being. And you know that's a, as you say that's such a known thing. And my god, it just isn't aired. It isn't given airtime. It isn't discussed what lack of sexual pleasure does to people.
1: I think I think there is there is something going on, though, and I think obviously there's something going on in terms of how people are behaving in, in their true private selves and what we're then talking about in public. Mm. And I wonder whether in the way that, okay, what we're doing here, right, mental health, is now, it has the last mm. five years, I don't know, become the topic that every company, individual, like charity movement wants to talk about. Uh, and get out in the open and destigmatize in a way that, you know, it, at t- even if 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I would have talked about having postnatal depression, it was a bit embarrassing, in quotes, because it felt like a weakness. That is not, that's a you like know, what changed now. for that? Whereas I wonder what, sorry, you know, what changed what, for that and for mental health, postnatal
3: depression yeah. and mental health? It was celebrities and the royal family coming out and saying that they care about these things, have experienced yeah. it, and looking around, can't see many. <laughs> Influential figures oh, and celebrities raving a we sex talk
1: to, We've <laughs> tried to get people to talk about <laughs> this stuff, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the yeah. thing is, so I was thinking maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's the way that this will this conversation will change. It will suddenly become more open because it, will, you know, once once people start talking about it and realize that the, the sky's not going to fall in and everyone's not like secretly laughing at you or whatever, then that will change. But at the moment, you are right; it is still a little bit of this kind of like we well, you know we're very British aren't we so like we're kind of a bit like oh to be honest we're better in this country than some other countries that's nice See, to hear it is nice to hear. nice to hear um we don't often hear we don't hear the, the thing is this is such a good <laughs> news story it would be really nice to hear it widely disseminated like we're not we're not you know buttoned up but I think Brits we're buttoned up about I think we're kind
3: buttoned of... up about like bodies like looking at bodies but maybe a little bit
1: less so yeah. when it comes to sex don't know why yeah. um Jules I want to ask you because i was thinking that obviously we've been talking about the business and and what you know we, how obviously you've got this massive insight into how people were behaving during lockdown and what you know what changed um I'm interested to know how you coped with the kind of intense lockdown period sort of from March to May because obviously mm, you were working yeah. still um, so what was um, it like? For it you? was pretty
3: awful for the first two months to be honest. I mean, we 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 went into lockdown <laughs> oh, at a point yeah. when, I mean, like many people, our business was in a process of growth anyway, so we just invested loads to get into a new growth phase. And also this yeah. content of my work is not something that I can have, you know, that I can talk about. In of my kids never asked what my business does. Mm. So <laughs> that's how little interest they have in my career. But clearly when they're in the house with me and I'm trying to you know have these these conversations there's not I don't have the kind of I didn't have I mean this is why I've like commandeered his bedroom I don't really have the um kind of house where we've got private space where I can go and sit and work and leave them unattended anyway Mm. um so yeah it's been Mm, yeah it's been really hardcore it's still hardcore because they're still not fully back and I, we're not fully back in the office
1: so what did you do so what did you do, th- throughout that like intense first run out did you develop any kind of coping strategies my parenting reached a new low but i said things to them
3: <laughs> and <then laughs> shouted at them in a way that i never envisaged would happen in our experience of pa- being parent really? and child together but the one thing that we did that helped with that was we we um, established this thing that we called tabletop conversations um, which was where once a week we were not working or homeschooling or on screens and we just talked about like what was going on in the week.
2: With that, that I'm really interested in the tabletop conversations thing because one of the things that that, that Becky and I've been thinking about for this chunk of the podcast thing is about long-term coping strategies because you know this is not going anywhere. Fast is it? We are we're quite mired now, and it's you know the news is not our friend in that respect really. So, um you know, we've gone from this kind of very short term, very adrenalised coping strategy. uh, You know, periods where we've had to develop, well, coping or not coping, but it's all been on the hoof, a bit like you describe, and. You know, So now we're trying to think about, okay, so how are we going to actually do this as opposed to just busking it all the time and losing our shit on a regular basis and then having to make grovelling apologies. Uh, And I'm really interested in this tabletop conversation thing. And I was, you know, because that sounds...
3: Yeah, the reason I did it was was because obviously I was so busy during lockdown. It was like a joke. I would, from morning till I went to bed, I'd almost not sit down. I I felt, you know, because there was so much to do, feeding them. Getting them set up on the homeschool, printing out the fucking homeschool, loving
1: paperwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, fixing the printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another industry that did very well oh my during God. lockdown printer paper manufacturers and oh sex
3: toys. is amazing. <laughs> I, anything that goes wrong with it now, I'm, I'm on it. But, you know, so I was, it was like I was never still, and we were all around each other and kind of doing stuff, but it was not quality time and we weren't talking and airing there thoughts and feelings about it which they probably also didn't have time between homeschooling and playstation to think about Um, (laughs) yeah and so that was how it started it started like that and i would give them updates on what was going on like globally and in london and what that meant for us as a family and whether we'd be going on a summer holiday and then gradually it turned into quality time because like that time when you're like we're just not going to be tidying up Doing the homeschooling, panicking about the whatever on your screens, and did it help? It really helped. Did it help? It, it it really helped. It completely repaired our fragmenting relationships. Oh, <laughs> well
2: done! Oh
3: <laughs> my I, God, well done. We say well done, but honestly, there were points when my kids absolutely, as I say, and I we could talk about it now and laugh about it, but I my parenting, like when I say it reached a new low, I'm talking like serious, like no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure I'm sure it's better than you actually think because we know we you cannot underestimate the level of shit we were all dealing with—every single one of us in the entire world was dealing with. Oh yeah,
3: shit. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to forgive myself. Please, please try,
2: please. <laughs> oh, Jules, look, none of us. We, I mean, one of the one of our phrases that Becky and I said to each other a lot was, "Well, none of us are at our best now, are we?" Which was the most glorious understatement it's for how just that, isn't it? How on the edge, we all were. No,
1: I did not bring my best self to the <laughs> no. pandemic. Yeah. But I think I still think it's it's really helpful to to uh to know it somewhere, isn't it? To know it somewhere in your mind that when all that stuff goes on, you are not just totally beating yourself up um, mentally, because that doesn't help at anyone, least of all like the the people, the other people in your house. So, yeah. So, thinking about you know, we're kind of back into like March really we're we're not quite back where we were in terms of lockdown you know we're all able to to do a lot more than we were then um, but you know the news is full of doom and gloom but you know it's kind of looking like you know we just kicked the can down the road a bit and corona's back and everything like that so things are feeling collectively quite gloomy again um, and now we're, we're now we're in the winter and you know we're not all going to be sitting out having socially distanced drinks on our you know, on our fronts because it's horrible outside. So how are you gonna cope with the next few months bearing all this in mind? I'm very, basically,
3: I'm very focused on the work. Um, I mean, like, big things have changed me at, me at home in the sense that my oldest has started secondary school. He's much more independent with his, you know, they've got a, a great system for home learning, which are my very hippie local primary school did not have. So down in terms of (laughs) the homeschooling I'm kind of like uh, you know two kids homes can feel like I can cope I don't know um I'm going Montessori method with my youngest and just not teaching her to read at all she's just learning domestic tasks around the house so that's my new (laughs) approach to parenting her for the lockdown I'm not even joking (laughs) I'm not even joking
1: that's quite helpful I I think that's I think
2: that's inspired
1: inspired training up house I, turned,
2: I turned I turned I turned balling socks into homeschooling I was like right today's homeschooling lessons we're yeah, gonna I've learn how to socks socks making
3: room. beds washing windows it's completely legitimate my middle son got really good at cooking he can make most most things using a hob at the moment Jackson quite exciting but seriously and he learned how to start fires from scratch great brilliant um yeah. anyway uh <laughs> anyway but I was going to say, in terms of thinking about lockdown, I'm not actually that horrified in the way. I know I should be horrified at the thought of a lockdown, <laughs> not just you know, personally, but also in terms of the well-being of everybody else in the world. No, but um, no, it seems so exciting no. from a business perspective that we are all at Hot Octopus very, very focused on how we best service the demands that are coming
1: so it sounds to me as if like you know you've obviously on the domestic front you've 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 managed to kind of develop a a few little strategies and you know means that if if we do go into lockdown again you'll be okay you'll be better off than you were maybe six months ago and then you've obviously got the the situation where work and is is really really absorbing and actually kind of because of the pandemic there is almost a sense of do you feel a sense of that you're you're doing some good in a way with the business, even though obviously you're not a charity, you're not kind of set up in that traditional do-goodery way, but what you're doing is you're helping people indirectly with their mental health? Um, we received a letter from a customer. I was telling you about
3: Becky the other day, um, which really stays with me. So this was several years ago. Uh, this was a paraplegic guy who had been injured in an accident in his late teens um and he had tried our pulse product and he used the product and was able to achieve an orgasm and he wrote to us and said it was the first time that he'd been able to orgasm voluntarily since his accident and he said that that experience of using that toy had given him back a self esteem joy and hope um in his life that he thought he would never experience again that, had, that he thought had been lost to him forever and you know when that was we get lots of stuff from customers but that was incredibly powerful um and that's the thing and it's very moving and that's the thing you know pleasure is such yeah. an important part of living a good life as I say it's well known anyway we're just too ridiculous to to openly talk about it but this is a fundamental part of being a human and living a good life
1: Well, there you go.
2: Wow. That was fascinating.
1: Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it really really is. And it makes so much sense. It does. And it's funny, isn't it? Because like I was just saying, I didn't actually know whether there would be a kind of a a really key link between, you know, the pandemic, the kind of triangle of pandemic mental health and sex toys. Um, I thought there probably might be, um, but it's it's huge, and it's it's a very real, real thing, mm-hmm. and it actually really goes to a very deep human need for pleasure and joy, like you say, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, 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 and without those things, we are... Yeah, we're in such our mental health is in is in tremendous peril, I think, you know, and it's it's just and it's also incredibly encouraging to hear how passionate Jules is about finding people for who these things have have traditionally been inaccessible, but also that she's that we're talking about it for God's sake.
1: I know. I, mean, I know. That, the silence um, yeah.
2: is so toxic. Yeah.
1: And we even even when we, you know, when we were growing up and teenagers and even 20s, I think I don't think that would have been possible to have a conversation a uh, a meaningful conversation about that. So, you know, we're all we're all slowly evolving, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> We're maybe crawling we're out of the swamp.
2: Crawling out of the the, the swamp of sexual repression into you know yeah. somewhere a little bit kinder and more humane, hopefully and, and forgiving.
1: And maybe one day, Lucy, I'll be able to watch a sex scene on the telly without pulling my jumper over my head. There is hope. And wanting know. to die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really bad at <laughs> relaxing into watching. Two actors go at it on telly. Yeah,
2: no, it can be a bit <laughs> awkward. It can be a bit yeah. awkward. Why do you react to so that you're still watching a sex scene with your parents in the same room? Yes. As or yes.
1: <laughs> there <laughs> must have been some childhood incident where a sex scene accidentally came on Too a film much. I was watching with my parents, and I've never been able to get past that. <laughs> it's
2: just done. it's just been an intense
1: experience. Oh, yeah. It definitely has. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's leave it there. Um, <laughs> no, we will have an. Yeah yeah we're learning man
2: we are thank goodness well maybe if that's something that good that comes out of this horrible situation yes you know that's a good thing yeah
1: yeah all right all right see you soon see you soon becky take care bye bye
2: Thanks for listening to How to Cope with Becky Howard and Lucy Clyde. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review, like and subscribe. It makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. The music is Cold Funk by Kevin MacLeod and used under a Creative Commons licence. You can follow us on Twitter too, at cope underscore podcast. Thanks again and check in soon for the next episode of How to Cope.